Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Grace is normally defined as unmerited favor. Now, instead of giving Adam and Eve and the rest of us what we deserved, God chose instead to exercise grace in the midst of his judgment and actually provided a way for Adam and Eve to escape the path they had chosen, as well as us. Ultimately, of course, this is through salvation. So grace is dealing with someone not based on what they deserve, but how they're loved. We do this all the time with our children, our grandchildren, other people, and even our pets. We exercise tremendous grace with our dogs, for instance, because they all know that I'm the alpha and they answer to me, but I still exercise grace with them. When they make poor decisions, we decide on our response based on the situation and whether or not maybe they did something intentionally or or unintentionally without really realizing the repercussions. Now, when our older dog, Buster, was a puppy, we left him alone while we were in church one Sunday, and we wrongly assumed he'd just sleep while we were gone. Well, several hours later, we returned home to discover that he had tried his mouth at redesigning our couch. Both sides had been torn off, including the metal framing. He wasn't even that big of a dog yet. Our mistake was not putting him in a crate with bones and toys to keep him busy and to protect our furniture and other belongings. Buster didn't know what he had done. We couldn't punish him because he wasn't doing it when we arrived home. He was tired and had fallen asleep after all that effort. Our new dog, Scooby, made an even bigger mistake recently. One morning, my wife and I were both in our respective offices working, and Buster was taking his morning nap, and we assumed Scooby was doing the same, but we were wrong. Well, at one point, I heard my wife yell, No! No! And I asked what had happened as I approached her office, and then I saw it. Scooby had brought in a chicken into her office that he had also killed. Well, we were upset. My wife had swatted Scooby across the nose with rolled up paper as soon as he entered and as soon as she saw what he had done. He had somehow gotten into the fenced backyard where our chickens were free ranging. It's a separate place from the big backyard and surrounded by chain link fence. But he did this by pulling back the wire fencing near the bottom of the gate between the garage and the house that I had built. And it was not made of chain link. Then, after entering, he killed five chickens and brought one inside the house to show my wife. I mean, he could have killed them all, but he didn't. I was angry at Scooby, but treated him with as much grace as I could muster. I realized he was a puppy and probably didn't understand what he had done, but I was still angry. And for the next day and a half, I basically ignored Scooby. Now, that may seem harsh, But it was actually a measure of extended grace because in my righteous anger, I didn't want to do something that I'd regret. Now, just as an alpha dog would berate dogs under him via snarling or even nipping at one of the other dogs and might possibly even ignore that dog for a bit after taking it to task, I ignored Scooby so that he would know that something was wrong and he got the message. I learned from talking with others that this can happen. It's not out of the ordinary. There was no need to think of getting rid of Scooby. He would simply need to be trained better and watched until he understood that chickens were off limits to him. We also chose 
to stop allowing our chickens to free range, as we had done with them for quite some time. And we decided to keep them in their area alone, which was fenced and netted, and the net was there to keep out flying predators. The trouble was that the fencing we used was the same type of fencing used on the gate, and their whole area was not that large, so we have uh, worked on a plan to increase that size. But Scooby needed to learn, above all things, that chickens were not his toys or his meals. So we began training him to ignore the chickens based on advice from others, including our dog trainer. We showed him grace, and we showed him firmness so that he would not make that mistake again. But life is filled with mistakes, isn't it? Who among us can say that they've never made a mistake? Now, most of the mistakes we make are hopefully unintentional mistakes. But there are some mistakes that appear to be far removed from unintentional and have the signs of being fully intentional, right? A person breaks into your home while you're away. That's not unintentional. Someone breaks into your car uh, while you're, you've got it parked out on the curb. That's not intentional. You're driving down the road and the vehicle in front kicks up a rock that cracks your windshield. That's unintentional. Life is full of these types of situations. Now, in the, in the last example I gave, obviously the driver whose vehicle threw up a rock had no knowledge of it, certainly didn't plan on it, but it happened. During COVID, there were a number of huge mistakes that were made and foisted upon the public with no room for dissent. Were they intentional mistakes or of an unintentional nature? Well, obviously, in your research, you're going to make that decision, but let me just share with you a few things. Numerous medical professionals tried to warn the public about COVID, masks, mandates, and all the rest. These folks, because they did not agree with the official stated narrative, were generally censored. And some, even today, right now, are facing expulsion from the medical community because they didn't go along. So the powers that be foisted numerous mandates of mask wearing, lockdowns, social distancing, and the rest. And we were all told, for instance, that masks posed the greatest measure of safety against the spread of COVID prior to the VAX rollout. And what we now know is that this was absolutely incorrect. I kind of wonder how many more studies, they've done at least five, how many studies on masks are they going to need to continue to do to make people believe it? Was that whole thing intentional or unintentional? What kind of mistake was it? Numerous mask studies over the past few years show that masks are absolutely worthless in stopping viral spread, mainly because, for instance, the virions in CV are so tiny that they easily flow through a mask. Yet how many times did you hear, remember, your mask protects you and my mask protects me, looped recording propaganda at big box stores until you either recognized it for what it was or believed it, being completely overcome by the brainwashing. Two recent studies, the Bangladesh mask study and the recent Cochrane study, both prove that masks are essentially worthless at stopping viral transmission. Yet we continue to see people every day wearing them, even when they're alone in their cars. Both of those studies have been summarized by a number of people, including Steve Kirsch, who was also including links 
to the original studies in his articles. And there's another article that I've got linked in the transcript with links to the original data, also stating what has become the obvious to most people, or to many, I should say. Now, in spite of the fact that masks don't work, people will continue to wear them because they tell themselves, well, it must be doing some good. Well, we have proof they do no good. And in fact, they create health problems for wearers since it forces exhaled carbon dioxide to be breathed back in by the same person. So why were masks forced on the public? Why was social distancing also mandated? Why were lockdowns believed to have been necessary? Why were only big box stores, grocery stores, liquor and packaging stores, and strip clubs allowed to remain open? These were considered essential. And because of that definition, many small businesses went out of business forever. Were all these global decisions actually unintentional or intentional mistakes? Now, most people might say, well, they were unintentional based on what they knew at the time. Well, then you know what? Those officials had no business being called experts who also had the power to shout down any other medical professional who disagreed with them. Somewhat related to the whole CV situation, I'd like to ask why were there so many fires at fertilizer plants and food production facilities throughout the world with the latest one happening at one of the largest egg suppliers in the USA just a few days ago. A very large fire destroyed one of the biggest commercial egg farms in Bozrah, Connecticut. Over 100,000 chickens were killed and with them all the potential eggs they would have laid in the remainder of their life. You see the increase in eggs in stores, right? And the prices because of it? Well, it's not just that chickens were killed and eggs destroyed. It's that future eggs will never be laid. And the missing eggs cannot simply be created immediately. Obviously, it takes time for layers to develop and to grow into chickens that actually lay eggs. And that takes time. And then it takes time for the eggs to be happening as well. It will take time. And in the meantime, consumers lose and most people seem unaware of it. I wonder if that's because they just continue to go to the store, think nothing of it. And, oh, eggs are increasing in price. I wonder why. There aren't so many eggs on the shelf. I wonder why. Well, with all these accidental fires that have been ravaging all types of production facilities, food, fertilizer, and the rest throughout the world, one can only wonder if they were intentional or unintentional mistakes that caused these fires. Seems a bit too weird to simply be coincidental. Yeah, some fires occur every year at production facilities, but not at this pace and not at this ferocity either. Something is off. And then we have the situation surrounding what's being called acute psychosis after COVID-19 vaccination, which includes mental illnesses and increasing incidence of dementia and other issues. How does this happen? Is the CB jab connected to this? Is it doing something to people's minds? Why can't it be discussed? Why can't it be investigated instead of simply being ridiculed and ignored? But were you also aware that the value placed on your life as a person is $250,000? That's how much a hospital was in the position to receive during the CV pandemic if they did everything the government requested for every patient and the patient was wheeled out in a body bag 
$250,000. Hmm. I've got links to these things in the transcript, so you'll want to avail yourself of those. Well, to sum up, there are two types of mistakes in this world, unintentional and intentional. We can say unintentional sin or intentional sin. We like to call them mistakes, though. Now, when a puppy kills chickens, he doesn't realize the full import of what he did. To him, chickens are toys. They make noises. They rumble around, signaling that they should be chased. And when the, when the puppy goes after the chickens, oh, that, that really riles them up. And then they start making a lot of noise. Grace should be extended because the puppy didn't really know any better. This is an example of an unintentional mistake when a young dog was simply following his own natural instincts. He didn't mean to do what he did. It was normal for him, but it was still wrong. And grace should be extended. People who make intentional mistakes or sin intentionally should be given some measure of grace. But the grace extended is based on the nature of the deliberate offense, isn't it? I mean, generally, laws reflect this reality. The goal for each Christian is to make as few mistakes as possible and certainly to be sure to try to avoid the intentional mistake as much as we possibly can. We all make mistakes. We will continue to make mistakes along the way from time to time. And though God might be angry with us initially, as he was with King David in 2 Samuel 11, his anger is fully justified. And it is not an anger, though, to our death. Thank goodness. It is an anger born not of hatred, but actually stems from his love for us. How he renders that anger for our growth is testament to his all-encompassing grace. It's for correction, reproof, and ultimately perfection, and also proves his love for us. What is our approach to God? Do we approach God in a deeply respectful way, understanding that he is the alpha male over all creation? Or do we tempt ourselves with intentional mistakes, sins from time to time? Everything about our life, from God's perspective, is built on grace. The fact that we remain here, the fact that God doesn't destroy us, the fact that he wants the best for us, the fact that he has the Holy Spirit within us for those of us who are believers, and that Holy Spirit works to perfect us, changing our character, imprinting it with the character of Christ, while not destroying our personality. Everything is built on grace, though we don't deserve it. The fact that we're sinners and he doesn't destroy us, but has actually provided a way to save us out of our death spiral is proof of his love, even when seen accompanied by his anger. The Mosaic law, interestingly enough, had no recourse for people who deliberately, intentionally committed sin, you know, made mistakes on purpose and knew what they were doing ahead of time. So just as my dogs love me, are glad to see me, want to do things that make me happy so that I'm pleased with them, it's a very small example of how we should be relating to God. Certainly we are better in God's eyes than dogs or other pets, but God made those for our pleasure and his glory as well. The truth is that we live, love, laugh, enjoy, grow in him all by his grace. We are able to approach him 
because we are adopted into his family through Christ and will live with him throughout eternity because of his grace. And this is due to that tremendous grace he constantly extends to us in this life and will in the next. The same grace that comes from God to us is what we should be extending to all people, especially those of the household of God. We can all have book learning and Bible understanding, and we can gain everything in this life as far as that's concerned. Study, study, study until we're blue in the face, memorize, read, study, do some more. But it could just be an exercise without love shown in grace that emanates or comes or stems from the knowledge we've gained. What really has been accomplished except head knowledge? Grace is the application of what we know in our heads, in our hearts to be true. Love and grace are active. They're not sedentary. Love covers a multitude of sins because of its action. And grace is the vehicle through which love reaches us. Thank you so much for your time today, for joining me. And I pray until we meet again, I pray that God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 